Fellow Travelers of the Fifth Dimension, I'm Vienno and I'm Eri, and this is That's Not Fair, a queer Twilight Zone podcast, where two queers watch through all of the Twilight Zone franchise and desperately try to use their literature degrees for something. I said that slightly differently than I have it written here, but you know... (laughs) You, it's the third episode. Like yeah, some of loose. you, hopefully, will will have done this for so long at some point that people will go back and oh, I'm gonna listen to the first episodes and see how far <laughs> they've got. Hopefully, we've got them really fun. Yeah, really fucking fun. It doesn't sound this shitty. Mm. You can always hope. Can you tell in this yeah. economy? No, I mean probably not. You can, you can have some hope. Yeah. Just 30% less than usual. Yes. And um, how are you, Eri? I am good. There's a lot going on. I took a trip to see my favorite band. I spent a week in Manchester. That was great. Um, and you brought me a pin. Yes. Which is the most important part. <laughs> of course. The souvenirs are always the most important. I had a great souvenirs trip. souvenirs for me. Yes. Great trip up until the point where on the night bus, 15 minutes away from my home, a drunk man fell on me on the bus, um, straight into my face and body. Um, up until that, it was it was a great trip. Um, amazing. Good time. Um, also starting a new job in two weeks, which I'm kind of nervous about. I'm a, I'm an English teacher, and uh, I have some seventh graders to take care of in two weeks, so that's a bit nerve-wracking, but it's mm. all good. Seventh graders fine. are kind of like, they're, they're getting to that really pissy age, but they they might have just moved to a new school because yeah. it's like a high school, or is high school look here? Uh, what is your last? Middle school, yeah. Middle school? Yeah. Jesus fucking Christ, make up your mind, uh, Anglos. <laughs> is it, is it a or high... Like secondary school, I think. In is the it Brits. a high school? Is it an upper secondary school? Is it a, some other bullshit yeah, thing? It's so fucking weird. Make up your mind, Anglos. <laughs> anyway, 7th to ninth graders, so the worst age of a human being. Yes, um, but the seventh one is when they are kind of <laughs> unsure still yeah, because they are in a new sweet. environment and... Yeah, I saw Stop. some of them today. They look so tiny. Just tiny human beings. They're like, what, 13? Small, small people. Children. You, you'd, you'd even say they're children. You might say that. You might say that they <laughs> are children. You might, you might call them that, yeah. That's mm-hmm. the word. Anyway, how are you doing? Well, I watched an absolutely stunning movie called Godzilla Minus One. Mm. And... Uh, Maybe you watched it as well. Perhaps. Maybe you were sitting right next to me. Yeah, maybe I was. It was great. It was excellent. And uh, for those of you who don't know, which means you probably don't follow me on Tumblr, which you should, <laughs> um, I really like Kaiju. Yeah. So, and we, as in, not you and I, dear <laughs> listener, but... Um, me and Eri, we watch monster movies from time to time. Like usually big monsters, but we might uh, also watch small monsters. Yeah, like uh, 
hurricane crabs or whatever the hell. Monsternado. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's what we watched uh, last time after our like recording session. Hurricane Grab would be a better name, honestly, than Monster. That might be a different movie. That might be a different movie. Yeah. We'll make it if it doesn't exist. Uh, mm. We'll also shoot it in Britain and pretend that it's the United States. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what that movie did. It just like, oh yeah, this is totally, totally the America. You can almost swing it indoors until like you show anything outside or cars, because no, you can't you can't swing that anymore. Yeah, and then at the end they were like, okay, what's a really cheap place to shoot this movie, <laughs> the climax to this movie? Is it maybe a Second World War <laughs> bunkers and like you know those things that totally aren't. Yeah. America. Complete ruins, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, those, yeah, those are in America, yeah. The British flag in the background. <laughs> Basically. Uh, and half of the people speak with a British accent. Yeah, inexplicably. Yep. So <sighs> yeah, see Monster NATO, it's great. Recommended highly. Uh... It was a bit boring for a bad movie, like... Yeah, well... I kind of preferred... Uh, okay, we're starting to talk about this now. <laughs> um, Ape versus Monster. Oh my god. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it had bigger monsters, so it's immediately better. Yeah. Although, Godzilla minus one, actually, the Godzilla is one of the smaller Godzillas. Oh, right, yeah. Mm-hmm. It wasn't that huge, yeah. I mean, it was huge, obviously. My yeah. boy. But boy. My boy. Indeed. But <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of hoping that Twilight Zone might have some kaiju in it as well. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It doesn't seem like a show that would, but you know, you yeah, never know. You never do know. Indeed. Uh, there might be some, I don't know, there might be some monster episodes, like aliens that are monsters. Oh, yeah. Or like some other kind of... I don't know, body horror stuff. Yeah, there's definitely gonna mm, be that. I, yeah. I know that already. Yeah, there's some of those famous episodes where you see a lot of that. Yeah. Um, I don't know what it's called, but the one with like the plastic surgery and the people with the pink oh, faces. Oh, yeah, that one. Uh, I, yeah. That, the, yeah, let's not talk about that episode oh, until yeah. we get there. Like, I know the episode because <laughs> I don't even I, know when it... I read Theory and they've talked about yeah. that episode and I really want to see it's it. It like, has to be the most famous one, so. Mm. In the consciousness. Yeah. And before we get to the actual uh, episodes of this week, I want to mention that last week I mentioned a bloody gory movie called Motel. Mm. What I obviously men- uh, meant was Hostel. Oh, right. <laughs> yes. So, you know, correcting my mistakes. I don't think I caught that. No, you didn't. No, no. Yeah. At least you didn't react in any way, so, you know, that's... <laughs> I appreciate that. No, yeah, I don't remember that being wrong. Yeah. Well, motel, hostel, hostel. Same thing. Hostel, hostel. Mm. Pronouncing it with an accent on the E. (laughs) 
Hostel. Hostel. Uh-huh. But without further ado, let's get into your episode, Eri. Yes. Well, you're gonna lose your shirt that way. Nobody sells sodas for a dime anymore. They don't? A smartly dressed man with a slightly vague executive job stops at a service station and loudly demands service. He has been driving a long way, escaping the city with all its worries and anxieties for his hometown, the way for which he barely seems to remember. Judging by the sign next to the station, however, it looks like it's walking distance, so he leaves the car and walks. Martin Sloan slowly starts to realize that his hometown is exactly how he left it, as if no time has passed at all since he left for New York. The town is stuck in the perfect, idyllic summer days of his childhood. His favorite childhood treat is still the same prize, children are playing in the street, and the merry-go-round is ready for the night's festivities. Those days, those little joys, are just not for him anymore. He needs to leave his childhood alone. It may only be walking distance back into your childhood, but you can never go back. You can never truly turn home, but maybe you don't want to. Maybe what you really want is to find another perfect summer day somewhere else. And if we've learned anything else, chasing children around the park is very strange behavior, even if that child is you from the past. Stop doing that. Episode five of The Twilight Zone is called Walking Distance. Uh, it aired on the 30th of October, 59. And this is another stressful piece about aging. Are you okay, Rod? Are you okay? Yeah, I'm not sure if he is. <laughs> we've had five episodes, and we've had one, two, three, four episodes about how scary it is to die. <laughs> Oh, and or to get old. Old or to get old, yeah, ultimately. Rod was 34 when this episode aired. Older than both of us, no, I must yeah, say. but like, still I, not I, an old man. Yes, I mean, I must say, like, I'm the old, older one, but yes, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, 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 for now, I am still younger than yeah. Roddy Rod Serling. I, the guy in the episode is 36, which he specifies in the opening narration which is something i noticed from all these episodes almost is that people's ages are really specific for no good reason Mm. um so it has to be like a part of this age obsession that's going on here Mm. people are aged like very specifically it's not enough to be like oh this is a guy in his 30s probably um it has to be like a very specific age of man yeah, and I, I'm kind of wondering, I'm not sure if back in those days, if men in their 30s, I mean, there's more leeway for men anyhow, but like mm. men in their 30s were like considered old. Yeah. And like now we have a whole thing about like when you're 30, you're, well, not anymore, I think, or might be because I'm not paying attention, <laughs> um, but... It might also be because I'm 30, and turns out there's life after 30. Oh, yeah, wow. Yeah, yeah. you'll you'll get here at some point. Yeah, at some point. Yeah, but, um, yeah, I'm wondering if that existed back then or not. Yeah, I mean, this seems to be, like, a guy in his, like, prime. He's this, like, vague executive dude. Yeah, <laughs> Very I think important he's in, man. like, marketing or something. Yeah, it was, like... Uh, 
vice president of marketing in in charge of media i think they say yeah at the end, which is what does that mean <laughs> I mean, I'll, the, I'll get to that's all like when yeah. you get to vice president level doesn't matter what you do yeah right You're just like yeah, there's have, so many uh, people who are gonna take wipe your shit when you shit on the floor <laughs> exactly. that it doesn't matter what you do yeah and i'll actually get to why it's sort of like a vague executive position because i i found that very funny and interesting mm. but um uh this episode was Produced by Buck Houghton and directed by Robert Stevens. Obviously written by our guy, Rod Serling. Um, Rod was prime. Of course, in his prime at 34. Um, <laughs> That's not what it means in <laughs> Transformers, you twat. <laughs> I don't know what anything means in Transformers. Um, a lot of these... Uh, all of these people, I think, had a lot of praise for this episode. They were very proud of it, according to the companion, uh, especially the uh, director. They were also saying how the score was really excellent for the episode, which I have to uh, agree with. It's this sort of nostalgic tune all the way through it, this like happy uh, Is situation. The... Is the um, uh, music credited to anyone? Uh, it was, yes, but I am sorry to say that I did not write that down. Because I noticed that my, in my episode, um, the music is uh, credited to Stork. Oh, <laughs> no, it was a man who this was credited to. A real um, that's, I think man. that's why they uh, were praising it so hard, because mm. it was a guy they knew who made it. Um, wow. But... Apparently, um, the town here was based on Rod's hometown, uh, Binghamton, uh, because he was walking through like a set uh, one time that was like a city set, like a small town set or something, and it really reminded him of home mm-hmm. where he grew up, and so that's how he got the idea for this episode, like walking around this set that is his childhood hometown also. Um, and quoting from the companion, he said, it struck me that all of us have a deep longing to go back, not to our home as it is today, but as we remember it. So it's kind of this like, coming back home and nothing has changed. I think we all, we all long for that. He says, I don't know if all of us do. Yeah, I'm, um, I'm, um, I'm too queer for that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, his childhood was amazing, apparently. Yeah, and like, I don't know, I'm... The problem, I think, for me is that we used to move around a lot when I was young. Yeah, so there's not like a home Yeah, I mean, mo- there was a place where I lived most of my childhood, but like, I know that it has changed a lot, so I'm not sure if I have that anymore. Yeah. Like my favorite, my actual favorite place there has been like cut down because oh, it was a yeah. small grove. Oh, that sucks. Yep. Blaming my dad for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't have a lot of childhood town nostalgia either because I go there all the time. Um, I don't live that long from my parents who have lived in the same house for my entire life and they still do. Mm. Um, so I'm I'm there <laughs> like once a month so I don't have any returning to home nostalgia yeah I have no 
I'm I'm not going to like um I don't go to my dad's or mom's really. Yeah. After the like pandemic I was just like, hey, I can just stay home. Yeah. Like with my anywhere. friends and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a good realization that you don't have to. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's pretty good. Yeah. Pretty good. So we have uh Rod's type of nostalgia here, which is like this happy, lovely nostalgia for your childhood town. Um, there's another type of nostalgia uh, in general when it comes to TV and film, um, which is also the cultural and political standpoint of how nostalgia is represented in TV and film, because there's always, you know, things that you choose that are nostalgic and that was come down to certain values. Mm. Um, especially yeah. also here. <laughs> I mean, yeah, like watching, we've already kind of alluded to this, but watching um, The Twilight Zone, even though we don't live in America, but we have uh, l- watched a lot of, or consumed a lot of <laughs> American media, yeah. and uh, know about vaguely know about the politics of America. I mean, everyone knows because you keep so much, you make so much noise with it, please. And it affects the whole world. Indeed. And, but it's interesting to watch it because you kind of feel, you kind of get nostalgic, even as a Finn, for the time when, you know, pre-80s, Stranger Danger wasn't (laughs) like a a thing. There's a lot of uh, stranger danger in this episode also mm-hmm. like <laughs> these days you couldn't make this episode there's you can count uh on two hands i think how many times he runs after a boy in the park yeah or just suddenly <laughs> sits next to a just a totally stranger yeah boy. he lifts a boy from a tree at one point well that's kind of acceptable because yeah a true still. yeah fine but like yeah, he just <laughs> tries to run after himself, but like... Yeah, you yeah. still can't do that. Still can't do that, my guy. Yeah, I actually came across... I need to see if I saved it anywhere, but there was an article about how the stranger danger thing... And I kind of knew this already, but was it was uh, like uh, pretty much a constructed... Kind of, uh, kind of like the satanic panic mm. of um, later times, or actually eighties. Yeah. So yeah. Sounds right. Yeah. Yeah. So they probably overlap, but how it's not a real thing. Like mm. yes. Um. Not nice people. I'm using that word because I don't want us to get demonetized by using <laughs> the P word. Um, but not nice people do exist in real life, but not in that way. Yeah. And uh, oh, yeah, the point of that article was how it was supposed to drive people more into basically toxic. Uh, nuclear family settings mm. because everything outside the nuclear family is a danger yeah. a stranger 
danger. It literally just depends on the decade. There's a new thing every decade that is corrupting our children or endangering the children. It's just a new thing every single decade, every 10 years on the dot. It's a yeah, new thing. Yeah, but Stranger Danger kind of has, it has had lasting power. Yeah. Like it, it's still, it's still, you can see it in the culture. Oh, for sure. Yeah. People are more wary, for sure, of, of strangers, which mm. is why you can make this in 59 and be like, yeah, it's like fine to talk to kids on the street. Yeah. But I think like no one would let a stranger like just talk to their kids on the street. You'd come up like, what's up? Yeah, especially uh, like someone who you'd recognize or assign mm. as a man. Yeah, exactly. So like, if you're looking out the window and your kids on the on the street and a man is talking to them yeah. for an extended period of time, you'd come out of your house. Yeah. Like, you might make an you? exception for a guy in a nice suit because oh, yeah, he's maybe. in a nice suit or like a police officer. Or... Mm, yeah, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> like Adults don't ask kids for help generally either, so it's yeah like why are you, why are you talking? Yeah, it's weird. I don't know. Um, so yeah, two types of nostalgia here, like personal nostalgia for your childhood and also cultural, political nostalgia. Um, this was obviously made in the fifties, which is funny for me how much like nostalgia there is in these episodes because nowadays there's a lot of nostalgia for the 50s it's a very popular mm. decade to have nostalgia for um if you're a white person oh um, imagine if we <laughs> if we make uh this episode now mm. it would be like the childhood uh the past section would be in like the 90s or early oh, 2000s. It would be, yeah, which is also a lot of 90s nostalgia here um, nowadays. So it's always just minus 20 years every single time. Yeah, I mean, I think there's like uh, two cycles going on, mm. like minus 20 years, minus 40 years, something yeah. like that. Oh, yeah. My, my, um, my former roommate would know, but because they... They know about the fashion. They were in fashion <laughs> design school. But, um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, but, yeah, it just shows that we're always looking back to, quote, when it was good. Um, it was never good. It was never When was it good? But now there's, especially it's bad. <laughs> so, you know. <laughs> there's all these slogans. It. Like, um, I mean, most famously, Make America Great Again. When was it great? point to it uh on a timeline please um another thing would be like finland back back from what from whom well What's as we on? all know the greatest time like <laughs> in in america uh, actually americans have a kind of the same thing that the greatest greatest time was sort of uh the war mm. the second world war because you could you can imagine it as this romanticized, like, um, just fight, a fight against evil. Yeah. And there were no, like, bad things done by the Allies, Dresden. Uh, but, um, yeah, and then also the greatest time is, like, the 50s, mm. which has something to do with, like, the nuclear family, which 
was made even yeah. a more important thing later. And also because after the war, there was a lot of production, like production capability, uh, but there was nothing to use it for because you don't need to like just keep the yeah. war economy going. So that's like basically the uh, modern birthing place of uh, or birthing place of modern consumerism mm. because TV is new and like the early 50s yeah, and a lot of stuff like hey did you know that you need this oh you've never needed it before <laughs> well we're gonna advertise the shit out of it to you so that you will think you need it yeah exactly basic tenant of uh, consumerism just create <laughs> needs but that's basically like it was like it was the start of consumerism so that you could think looking back to it that it was an era of abundance mm. before like consumerism quote unquote got bad <laughs> yeah. even though you know consumerism bad i don't think people have ever enjoyed like advertisement it was it was never like oh well, this is the good type of advertisement <laughs> it's it's always evil yeah it's always like, you need this cuz you suck yeah, and there's like, back then there was a real feeling that like life was getting better because of consumerism. Mm, and yeah. we can look back at it like, oh, then it was good. Like then we were <laughs> just getting the products that we needed and everything was getting better. Now it has kind of like plateaued. Yeah. No, 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 no. It was just the start of the same thing. <laughs> And I guess perfect decades are also, you know... Also, caveat, you needed to be a white person. Of course, yeah. And Just preferably, like, a... like, slightly affluent, because if you mm. lived in, like, uh, I'm gonna pronounce this word, uh, word wrong, but, like, Appalachia, you probably, mm. like, they had problems in the 60s still, yeah. and they still have the same problems. They are, like low education, uh, no jobs, all kinds of shit. Mm. But, you know, if you weren't... Uh, if you were waspy... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically. Then, you know, it was great. <laughs> it was fucking great. I mean, the image in, of the 50s is like these like white middle-class families having a lot a, of children. suburbs. Yeah, having a lot of kids because they have money. Um, so then the perfect decade is always... Uh, you know, based on how many kids are people having, <laughs> because mm. how much money do they have? Do they can they afford to have kids, or not? Um, and yeah. right now, it's like no one's having children. Yeah, because um, well, we have the education not to have children. Yeah, well, at least and people are having kids later, which some yeah. <clears throat> people, um, some parties uh, consider not great. You'd have to have children a bit younger than now, well, which is... Mm. I, I will correct you there. Women should have yeah. <laughs> children earlier. Like, men, men don't come into the equation. <laughs> yeah, because you, you don't need both parties to have children. That's not how You need to works. breed more consumers <laughs> slash soldiers. Yeah, because Russia. We need more working age people, but also no immigration. <laughs> yes. Also... <laughs> Our make kids it's like they're gonna be working in like twenty years. We need help now, but okay. The yeah. Logic here is. Yeah. Um. And I mean, do you? 
Did you see like what's his fucking face? Mika Altola? Yeah. Uh, presi- one of our presidential candidates, one of the quote unquote independent ones. He's like yeah. uh he he's not quite a Christo fascist, but he is a very <laughs> Christo. Yeah. Uh, first part is true at least. Yeah. Uh but he was like, Well, we need to if I was president, we should put uh basically all our money into our defense budget. Oh yeah. And I'm like, oh, okay, great. No, he's a crazy person. I don't think is he even running anymore? He is. He is. All right. I just haven't heard anything new about him. I think people are just bored with that guy. Well, yeah, he started <laughs> saying really weird things like like not you know, I have this heroic story about not respecting um patients' wishes. Yeah. And you know, This is, you know, we should all understand that we should not respect the patient's wishes and everyone else. What? <laughs> yeah, I don't think people... Uh, What? I, I don't think Finnish people don't like uh, overconfidence. Or when someone's like, I am smart and I will do this because I'm smarter than you. We don't like that. Yeah, and we um, don't like overt Christianity. We yeah. prefer it to be <laughs> implicit and insidious, you know? Oh, family values and, you know, yeah. be nice to each other. That kind of Christianity. Not like whatever the, you know, Christian Democratic Party is going on. Mm. Yeah, so. Yeah, not good. Not not fun. But why did I mention him? What did you talk about before that? Um, uh, what did I say directly before that? Oh. I have no idea. I don't know. It probably had some. How people have to have kids younger, right? Yeah, parties yeah, and uh, also like probably got to there from like that. Women need to breed more like yeah. Uh, yeah, soldiers it. and consumers. Oh, yeah, so the he's soldiers, of he's course, basically yeah. that guy. There we are. Oh my god! The perfect decade I was talking about, which here is not the fifties; it's the thirties. Uh, funnily enough. Before the war. Yeah, which I get, I suppose. And like, interesting because the war is mentioned at the end, like, yeah, when he has yeah. a bum leg. Mm. Yeah, he gets asked if he got it in the war. Yeah. Even though he got it as a as a kid. Yeah, but it's... I wonder if it is because, like, mm. the war is there and... Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this perfect, uh, decade shit, um, is really prevalent in any decade. Like, there's all these born in the wrong generation people <laughs> still. I had that phase when I was in high school, definitely. Oh, you um, <laughs> No, I had, funnily enough, I was a big fan of, uh, the Beatles when I was in high school. And oh, so me too. For me, yeah, for me it was the 60s and 70s. Like I didn't own a lot of uh, CDs. Yeah. Uh, CDs were these discs that have uh, <laughs> stuff written on them, and uh, you could play music from them. You're telling me? <laughs> no, I'm. This is my telling the listener voice. Of course. In case we have some younger mm. listeners, and also kind of making oh, yes. fun of myself by you know explaining it. <laughs> um, but yeah. 
yeah, I had... Well, my first one... Um, out of towners, people who aren't Finnish, you won't know this one. <laughs> but I had a Levy and the Leavings album. Uh, that was my very first one. Good band. But then I had... Um, uh, I had... Mm, was it the Blue Album and Red Album from, like, um, the Beatles? The White Album? The Blue. Blue Album and Red Album. Ah, 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 ah. I yeah. meant the name. Okay. Yeah. And, um, yeah. Those yeah. are what I listened to. But yeah. I didn't really feel like... I, I didn't know about the 60s or 70s at that point. Yeah, so. I, I think I, like, had that for a little bit until I grew up i suppose but a lot of people like, mm. i feel like teenagers get that a lot um well you're so trying adults, to but... figure out who you are so it's yeah and i think it's like an identity thing you're trying to be different from other people you're trying to be like oh i'm not like these fucking slobs in my school like i'm mm. i'm cultured or something it's like trying to uh in a way be impressive to like older people at some point to be like look how smart i am or whatever it's a lot of that is why people i guess get into that stuff oh i was just autistic and people <laughs> were like oh you're really mature for your age and now they're like oh you're really childish for your age yeah i mean it uh <laughs> um, i think i i think Later, I had kind of a nostalgia for, like, uh, 80s and such, and, like, yeah. for queer culture of that era, mm. kind of. Oh, yeah. And, um, yeah. yeah. I'm bringing this up because there's, like, a difference between uh, that kind of nostalgia, where it's for a time when you weren't even born Mm. yet uh versus you know for a time that you were alive and in that case uh which is the case of the episode and of rod serling i guess because <laughs> he based it on his hometown is um just nostalgia for how it was when you were a kid it has less to do with maybe the time and more to do with just being a child mm. and all these things that you miss about being a kid and um how it just affects about how you feel about everything like your core values i guess are still mm. a little bit there in that decade when you were a kid um because it, it is so you know Jesus obviously Christ, developmentally core, there in your brain my core values are like in the late 90s and early <laughs> 2000 jesus christ yeah. you like develop all your brains then so it makes sense well sort of but uh, the brain keeps its plasticity mm. throughout life like if people if you've heard people say that oh your brain is finished at 25 mm. that's just a small part of your brain and it's yeah. more like the superstructure mm. of that and then you keep having brain plasticity throughout yeah. your life yeah, so, I, you, you know, know, you you can still develop. You mm. can you don't have to be a dick. <laughs> yeah, like if you right. if you are <laughs> if you are saying that oh I you know, I'm past at a certain age, so I'm so I just have to be a dick. No, you're just being a dick. Yeah. Just put some effort in. You know, what Jeez. I think people just realize it the wrong way. Like, oh your brain stops developing at twenty five. What it means is like 
you're less impulsive, like your frontal lobe is a little bit mm. better. You're calmer. You make smarter decisions. I guess you're like not. Uh, I don't know. Like you just think differently and whatever. But yeah, what people you... take it to mean is that after twenty five, you're old and stupid, and you shouldn't. Um, it's it's just not that um, uh, or on the reverse that everyone younger is dumb and yeah, we don't need to listen too. to them exactly uh, which is both both are bullshit it and is, um, uh, it does it has nothing to do with your smarts it's more like your impulse control and your yeah and i i think it was something like 35 you your brain starts to like you get fast making decisions mm. um because your brain already has those pathways, but it doesn't mean that you're locked into them. If you put mm-hmm. in effort, you can... St- and even if you don't put effort, your brain is constantly creating new pathways. It yeah, just of course. It just makes you better at making decisions mm-hmm. because you can create... Uh, you already have those pathways and you can make those decisions faster, but you can still decide otherwise. Yeah. But, yeah, it's not... Yeah, because your life isn't all in your brain physically. Like, your life is outside and <laughs> what you're doing and who you're with and what experiences you're having, you know? Yeah. So, what is Martin Slow nostalgic for? Uh, it is this kind of personal nostalgia. It's less, you know, there's a there's a lot of this cultural chocolate nostalgia soda. also. Free chocolate scoops. soda, yes. He has this, as I mentioned, very vague sounding executive job. Uh, so he is this important man with a lot of stress and responsibilities. So what he is nostalgic for is when he didn't have anything to be stressed about, um, when his life was more than work. There's this comparison clearly between him being an important, uh, stressful guy in his 30s versus this child with no troubles. Because uh, we see both of these people. We see him as a kid and we see him as an adult, and there's a clear, uh, you know, there's a clear distinction between these two people that we can see. Mm. Um, so what has changed, actually? Um, in his future, or in his present, rather. The episode doesn't really commit the usual sin of, like, the main character asking what year it is, or seeing it on, like, a calendar, or in a newspaper, but instead we get a lot of these examples of how things have changed, which is better for the episode, because he gets to realize it through these things that he misses, or things that he's nostalgic for. Um... It's, it's really interesting from the point of view of nostalgia because it, it really highlights what he's nostalgic for, actually. The, the episode deliberately chooses very childish things for him to miss. There's these like sweet treats, the ice cream soda in the very first uh, mm. instance. Uh, there's playing marbles. He meets the guy, the guy, the child. <laughs> the guy, the small child, on the street playing marbles. And he's like, oh, I used to play marbles. Um, I gotta say that they, like, he talks about the nicknames that they would give different types of, like, 
marbles and they do well the steel ones we call the steel <laughs> and um, the clear ones. ones we call the clearies and i'm like yeah very smart Martin. you you weren't very creative children were you no not very not very smart kids no oh. <laughs> oh. there's um playing hide and seek there's the park you know the bandstand the merry-go-round mm. all of these things are like really uh childish things that he misses and notices um so nothing has actually changed in his present because you still have all these things if if he actually went to the town in the present then he'd see pretty much the same shit that he sees now um which is why he doesn't really realize that he's in the past Mm. until he sees himself and his family and everything so experiences i guess is what has changed um well the price of ice cream soda maybe has also Mm. changed a little bit but more so experiences um so even though you can still get that ice cream soda at that same shop it just doesn't feel the same because you're not 10 years old uh it's like i don't know it's kind of like a lot of experiences that you had as a kid that now you're like you can still go do that but it's just not the same like a amusement park or like the park i guess yeah uh, all the holidays actually i prefer going to the park now <laughs> yeah you're just like, not playing hide and seek necessarily maybe no. you are i don't know well <laughs> this um, is a family podcast <laughs> not that kind of hide and seek mm-hmm. That's that's really what this this guy's struggling with. Like he's like, I can't have this anymore. But why not? And he reads it as no one has this anymore, because this belongs in the thirties. Mm. When it's like no kids are still out there playing marbles, probably. You just can't you can't, because you're thirty six years old. Um You can though. You could you could play marbles, yeah, but it you wouldn't have fun doing it necessarily. Hmm. Which is I, the thing. I have to say that it's pretty impressive that the ice cream shop or soda shop or whatever mm. the fuck has stayed open for 20 yeah, years. Right? Like, That's great. Owner has changed, but like it doesn't seem to have turned into like a franchise yeah. cho- uh, shop. Although I'm not sure did those exist too much like mm. back in the day. I don't know. I don't remember when, like, franchising really became a big thing. Mm. I mean, I guess it's still as a small town, so maybe maybe it would... Uh... Yeah, now it's something like a Baskin-Robin. <laughs> or... yeah. No, it's a Starbucks, actually. It's a Starbucks now, yeah. Actually, because it's such a small place, it's a former Starbucks. <laughs> yeah. It's changed owners and businesses, like, seven times. Mm-hmm. He goes in there and it's like a pizza place. Like, what's going on? It's a daycare center at some point. You never know what's going Damn, on. Yeah, a t- pizza place would be awesome, though. Yeah, it's better than ice cream soda, whatever the fuck that is. It's like a 50s thing, like a 30s that thing. That is a 50s thing. I haven't tried it, but I hear it's not bad. Hmm. I mean, it's out, ice cream and soda. Like, what's oh, not actually, like? we have the like we have the American diner thing. Yeah. Maybe they... Oh yeah, maybe because it, it is a like, very American. Yeah, and drink. The, it, it is kind of like fifties. I like, say drink, but it's 
ice cream. <laughs> so it's a it's yeah, I mean, but it's the soda pop that is like yeah. weird. Is that uh, not just a milkshake then? Yeah, I don't know. I'm gonna check. I'm gonna check like <laughs> right in the middle of this. Just gonna check. Yeah, it, it is very important to this episode the ice cream soda. So it's good to check. Yes, um, desserts. Apple pie, what a fucking surprise. New York style cheesecake. Ice cream shakes. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, it doesn't say what those are, but 760. Maybe we could. <gasps> it's not that. Bad. Yeah, it's dessert. It's fine. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we could go there sometime. Yeah. Like, um. Where is it? Oh, it's like. You go to the big road. Ah. Yeah, it's right next to it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, let's go have a heart attack. Ooh. It's American Diner. You get a heart attack. Low-hanging fruit. Yes. Well, <laughs> considering how Finns are, like, we we are like chronically bad cholesterol and mm, stuff. Yeah. Like, Speaking as a person who has chronically bad cholesterol, I have my like cholesterol medicine right here. <laughs> yeah, I got humbled at the doctor because um, they were like, have you been, do you know what your cholesterol levels are? Because they were doing blood tests and I'm like, nah, I don't know, but I don't think I need to worry about that yet. Like at this age, they look at me straight in the face and they're like, you're not that young. You need to worry about that. So I got humbled at the doctor. I just feel old now. For cholesterol levels. You're not that young, they say. And they're right. But... Hmm. Hmm. Anyway. <laughs> okay. So the episode brings up nostalgia from this perspective, which is the first perspective I wanted to talk about. This personal sweet nostalgia uh there's something heart-wrenching about when his dad asks him what he's doing there he just goes i don't know i just want to rest and like yeah <laughs> right for real I just want to rest it's like yeah martin yeah um so there's this sweet nostalgia side of just missing your childhood and how they were happy days in your life and if you could go back you would and whatever that's yeah, all I... good yeah, I look back to that time <laughs> when I had happy days. Yeah. yeah. Just rest. That really stuck with me. That was a good line. Um, but nostalgia, especially in texts, like especially in media, TV and film and books and whatever, is also inherently has to be looked at from a cultural and political viewpoint because the writer is deliberately choosing to put some stuff in there mm. to create nostalgia. And what are good things from the past to point out? Um, this story does represent this very idyllic community of the past, which doesn't exist in uh, New York, where Martin lives now, where it's very individualistic. Um, so Just I think here... that's to the seventies. Yeah. Fear city. <laughs> Fear city. So here the 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 sort of. Uh, comparison is between community versus individualism and this individualistic lifestyle of just looking out for yourself and success and work and whatever. Um, this is what Leslie Feldman says as well in his book Spaceships and Politics, The Political Theory of Rod Serling. 
which I think I will be reading a lot of during <laughs> this whole podcast. It's a it's a great book to read. Um, but he talks in one of the chapters, he writes about symbols uh, of this idyllic past that are in the episode. And he chooses uh, bandstands and uh, swimming pools in that chapter. We're, we're only going to talk about bandstands here. There's no swimming pools in this episode. Mm. But um, That would have been lewd. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, Feldman, first of all, writes that Serling's home, Binghamton, is definitely represented in this episode, as we were talking about. Um, and it is very idyllic. It's the picture of community and happiness and this sort of suburban bliss that's happening here. Um, uh, there's a lot of parks, like gazebos and carousels and band concerts and all this small town stuff. Um, and he talks a lot about the carousel, which he does uh, point out as a symbol um, and the carousel is kind of important because it is a plot device, like it spins him back into the future in a through-the-looking-glass style narrative. Oh, yeah, um, so it does. I had completely forgotten how yeah. he gets to the like, present again. Yeah, it's the carousel, yeah, he sort of spins there. Um, and Feldman calls the carousel a symbol of the bucolic small town, which, for sure, where do you see carousels? It's airports. Like, <laughs> they're not those kind of carousels, but with horses, you can't get on those carousels at the airport. They told Have me no. Oh, <laughs> there's a sign. Don't go on the carousel. Well, don't call it a fucking carousel if I can't go on it. Call it something else. <laughs> Salty. It's been, put horses on it. Salty. Yeah, I'm, I'm pissed. They almost kicked me out of the country. Anyway, in... <laughs> oh, it's not such a great country anymore, so you know. No, there's no freedoms. I can't go on the carousel. Mm. Um, <laughs> so that's not a small town experience. This is a small town experience. Uh, so in that way, there's no like overt political message of how everything's gone to shit in the present because of X, Y, Z. Um, but it does sort of harken back to traditionalism and traditional family values of the countryside and... Uh, I mean, a lot of family values in that way. So you could mm. infer from that that some aspects of city life are less than idyllic and they're the opposite. Mm. Uh, but the episode doesn't fully refer to which ones those are because we don't go into his New York life. Um, other than just mentioning that Martin's work is very stressful and he's unhappy and uh, at being an adult in the city fucking sucks because <laughs> you don't have any friends or family there or anything. I mean, he... Well, yeah. Yeah. Probably. Well, he probably has work friends, quote probably, unquote. Probably, yeah. You know, those people who you <laughs> don't see after work, uh, except when you have one of those, hey, let's have a, let's have a party, you know. It's part of your work uh, time. Okay, so I have to be there. <laughs> Do I get more pay? No. No, but you have to be there. Also, this is totally not because your boss is kind of a middle-aged man whose yeah. generation never really learned to make friends outside <laughs> of the family except at work. So, you know, this might be just, you know, for him, really. Yeah, of course. So... Gotta be there for the big man, for the boss. Yeah, we're family, we're family in this here. company. <laughs> in this Let's podcast, nice we're other. definitely not family. <laughs> 
<laughs> this is not a family workplace. Mm. When you're here, you're not family. Nope. <laughs> so, we are contrasting the 50s and 30s, I suppose, because there is a little bit of a narrative that when you leave your hometown, which is the 30s, you go into this place where you leave everything behind and you can't remember those family values anymore. Um, I mean, Martin literally, he doesn't really remember the way back. Like, he looks at the sign where it's like a, a half, one and a half miles or something to his hometown. And he's like, oh yeah, like that's how you get to that place. Like, I grew up there. He's talking to the gas station guy. Um, there's a little bit of this, you have to leave everything behind and you can't go back to like 30s values because everything's shit in the 50s and individualistic and work-oriented and all that kind of shit. Yeah, and I feel like there's a, a implicit or unintentional um, criticism of capitalism mm. because you, or work and work culture in general, yeah. like... Because he, what we understand is that his work takes his whole life. Yeah, and he's been he, back in 20 years or something, so. Yeah. yeah, and because he doesn't seem to have anything other than work in his life. Mm. Everything is just work-related. And he probably has a great pay. He seems yeah. to have a nice car and that sort of stuff. And he has a good suit. And, yeah. you know, when you are vice president and you're... Job mm. title is big as shit. Then <laughs> yeah. usually you'll have a great pay. Yeah. So looks like a guy with a high pay. Yeah, but he has this great pay, really high pay, but he has nothing to put it in that would mm. make him happy. He's yeah. just like, well, I have to work because that's what I'm supposed to do, mm. but I'm not getting anything for it. Yeah. Like no I'm just time, number go up, but my feels go down <laughs> yeah that's life isn't it um so uh yeah well we what we can determine from that is some criticism for constant productivity constant success which is i guess the decade that we're criticizing here mm. um because we're in it we're in the 50s here so it's like oh how it's it was so different like 20 years ago um and it contrasts Martin with these people of his hometown, even adults, uh, walking around in the park in the middle of the day, having a good time. His parents are home. Um, the adults are there, like, playing with the kids um, and walking around and sitting on benches and stuff, having a good time. The only jobs we see are people selling ice cream. There's the guy at the beginning at the shop, and then there's a guy in the park mm. handing out ice creams, which is... Uh, really funny because that's a job that a child would notice or interact with there's no jobs that like a child would understand a child wouldn't understand children um, or people on dates <laughs> yeah <laughs> exactly so there's no like abstract jobs uh that like a kid would would get um you know those jobs that um, i'm supposed <laughs> to apply to and i'm like i've never even heard of this position before yeah, like, right because cause what jobs are kids aware of? Like teachers, mailmen, uh, ice cream sellers, <laughs> you uh, know, people that they meet in their day-to-day. Postmen, and maybe was, there's some this vague category of office workers. Yeah, kind of like, yeah, mommy, mommy goes to the office and comes yeah, back. Yeah, and what it really means is like secretaries, like... 
technical writers, yeah. all kinds of expert jobs and like all kinds of shit. Mm. And then we of course have office worker as a separate <laughs> yeah. thing, which yeah. Which is what, which is where I get back to uh, Martin's job title because that is also like how you would explain that job to a child <laughs> a little bit. It's like, oh, he's the vice president of sales and marketing. Okay, I mean, fine, that's what daddy does, whatever. We don't go into it because it's not like what his child self would understand, which I found really funny. Um, everyone's also just with their families all the time mm. in this uh, narrative. There's some kids alone in the street, but other than that, um, which contrasts with this relationship of Martin with his family now, um, because it's it's clear that he hasn't been home in a while and whatever their relationship is, it can't be too close because he hasn't been there for 20 years and they don't, you know, I mean, obviously they don't recognize him because he's an adult, but he clearly hasn't been there that long. So maybe he's too busy at work. Maybe he prioritizes it. Um, he also says, how can you both be here when they open the door? So maybe they're divorced or maybe one or both of them is dead already even. Mm. Um, in any case, the nostalgia here is for, you know, community and family values and instead of independence that someone would find in a city like New York. Mm. So yeah, there's the personal type of Martin just being like, oh, wouldn't it be nice to be a kid? And then there's the cultural one, like, oh, we should just spend more time doing stuff that matters with our families and loved ones and stop thriving for this work culture that's going on. Yeah, I I started wondering why does he think he belongs there? Because at that point when he starts talking about that, he's clearly in the past. He knows he's mm. in the past. So why is he why is he trying to basically take his own place in the past, like a younger version's um, place in the past? Yeah. Maybe he feels like he missed out on something or that he didn't enjoy it enough when he had it. Like, mm. oh, now I'll enjoy it. Just let me go back and I'll like really enjoy it. Because mm. like as a kid, I took it for granted too much. Mm. Something like that. But yeah, like you can't just move in with your family and kick a child out of his house, <laughs> obviously. <Well>. So <laughs> you could do that, but I don't think his parents would let him do that. I mean, his dad says as much, but uh, yeah. Uh, another thing that I wondered was that be- when he is in the past, the uh, future changes in that he gets a limp. Because his past self um, drops, falls from the, like, carousel. Yeah. And... Like all injuries on this show, it's unclear what happens. (laughs) He trips a little bit. Yeah, and because he has, I don't know, never had calcium... See, this is this is why you should drink uh, He has ice cream sodas all the time. Ice cream has calcium in it. True. Maybe he just doesn't have enough uh, vitamin D, so he he doesn't... Yeah. But I was wondering that... Or do you think that he could have gotten his position with a limp? 
Mm. And that, like, of course, it doesn't affect his job that he's doing, not directly, but disability is often an implicit obstacle in business, in a, even if it doesn't actually matter in the job. Yeah. So I'm just kind of wondering that, like... No, yeah, I mean, definitely, these kinds of jobs especially, it's a lot about appearances. Yeah, and I'm, this is just, like, me thinking, like... What could have like been? Mm. Uh, because obviously the point here isn't that the future will change a lot. It's just this one thing to show us that it really happened. Mm. But I, I just started thinking about that while watching it a second time. So yeah, yeah. maybe he would tell people that it was in the war. Yeah, <laughs> because then they just look. Oh yeah. Yeah, so heroic. We got all. Clearly you are qualified for any job because, you know, you was in the war. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) There is something funny about that scene in the end where (laughs) the guy's like, hey, mister, did you get that limp in the war? And he looks wistfully in the distance and he's like, no, I actually fell off a (laughs) merry-go-round. Maybe tell people you're in the war. I don't know. Maybe tell people that. Just say, yeah, no need to elaborate. Just don't. (laughs) Don't do a monologue about your carousel experience. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, what have we learned here today from this first episode? The past was shit. Yeah. Present is shit. Mm-hmm. Future's probably gonna be shit. Well, I heard there was this one, one guy I watched on YouTube who was like, I don't actually like him that much. <laughs> His videos are just good quality. He doesn't write them himself. He's really good when he doesn't, like, ad-lib. But he was talking about how, oh, yeah, I've heard that we might be the last generation to die because uh, technology is getting, like, so ahead that we'll find that, we'll discover how to be immortal. And I'm like... Mm. It's gonna be really shit after that because the rich people are gonna be right. Yeah, we are not gonna live forever. It's yeah, Elon Musk who's gonna live forever. Yeah, our society is just gonna turn <laughs> static. Yeah, completely static because the people in power who are mm. gonna get that first and then make it really hard for anyone else to get it. Um, and it would turn into like you can't have any more kids because yeah. there's too many fucking people around here. Yeah. You can't, yeah. So you just except stop if it's like from... uploaded, uploaded intelligence, so yeah. that you upload yourself to a machine or something. Right, so Although sad. our like basic computer architecture would have to change a lot since mm-hmm. I'm, I might be completely wrong, but I'm gonna say that the whole binary, even mm. trinary won't be and i'm talking about balanced trinary for those who <laughs> who know about these things can really do what a human brain does because mm. human brain doesn't work on that kind of like yeah states you could simulate it i suppose but like it's mm, i guess we'll see like mm. you never know how these things turn out but i'm mm. just like yeah, I'm just 
the world will go to shit at that point because the yeah. rich people will just go, oh yeah, we are immortal now and uh, yeah. we basically control everything and we don't have any responsibilities unlike the... Like the only solace we have is that these people are gonna die before we do, most uh-huh. likely, because they're old. It's the only solace mm-hmm. we have is that they're gonna die. And now you're gonna take that away from us? Are you fucking kidding? I saw another take that was like, oh, like uh, 300 years ago, the might be the wrong time, but anyway, a lot of years ago, the, you know, uh, normal age for people to die was 50, and now it's 75, and soon it's gonna be 95, so that means in like 500 years we're gonna live until we're 150. It's like, I don't think that's how math works. The reason, (laughs) the reason we lived till we were like 45 was because we didn't have aspirin or like anything, We, we couldn't, we didn't have vaccines or shit, we just died from the flu all the time. Yeah, and also, um, a lot of those numbers are like misleading because people mm. used to live to 70 yeah. but uh, because there was so much infant mortality yeah. it brought down the average like a lot of, a lot more people just died younger cuz we couldn't treat whatever they had yeah um but the human like every every creature i think has like a maximum just like a lifetime that you just can't go past we can't live until 150 cuz our bodies just die on their own yeah but no matter just, what know, we treat enough botox and liposuctions you know you will, you will live forever yeah who's trying to do that a lot of people probably well the person in our next episode is trying to do that oh yes actually well let's get into it then cadwallader's my name at least it's the name i'm using this month has a nice feeling on the tongue cadwallader if Walter Bedecker didn't wake up each morning, would the world keep turning? That is the thought of a Mr. Bedecker, whose body is beset by ills from all fronts. It is just that the doctor seems to be unable to agree with him. But then he is offered a deal by one Mr. Catawallader, immortality, invulnerability. And the price isn't too big either. The only issue is that the deal would be with the devil. And the price would be only as small as Bedeker's very own soul. But if he is to be immortal, what's the harm? And immortal he is. Test as he might, nothing can kill our man Bedeker. Unfortunately, our man is not happy with this. There is no thrill in things when you know you can't die. And his simple self can't think of any other way of finding experiences. The only new experience he can find, ultimately, is seeing his wife, Ethel, fall to her death. Purely by accident, I assure you. It does get some excitement out of him. If he plays this right, it gives him a chance to experience the electric chair. Just just one problem. His public defender is just too damn good at his job and gets him life in prison. An immortal 
life. While Mr. Bedecker thinks about his future, Mr. Cadwallader appears to him, and our man Bedecker gladly enacts his escape clause, a prompt and uncomplicated death. So, escape clause aired on November the 6th, 1959, if I can read American dates right, <laughs> which is always I have to basically double check because yeah, we put we put the day and month uh, in different order. Like the right we had, order. Yes, as God intended. Sometimes Americans do that order too, and so I can never tell uh-huh. what date. How do you ever know? When exactly. you're supposed to be anywhere. It was written by one Rodimus Serling <laughs> and directed by Mitchell Lazen, mm-hmm. which, who directed the previous episode that I did, um, right. 16mm Shrine. All right. And this is a very good episode, so, you know, I'm not... Mm. I'm I not like surprised. this episode, yeah. Yeah. And usually I don't... Uh, mark down who was the director of photography. But last time I mentioned one George T. Clemens, Mark Twain's um, relative. Mm. And yes, I didn't remember what his role was when I talked about him in the previous episode. So I wanted to include it here. doesn't matter for the episode. Um, the I didn't actually think about um, photography in this, so, yeah. And it stars David Wayne as Walter Bedecker. And David Wayne uh, was, would be, after this, in The Andromeda Strain, which is a very, very good 70s science fiction film. I say 70s because 70s science fiction had a very certain kind of stuff. Like, I mean serious science fiction. Mm. Not sure if I... Well, I'd say hard science fiction, maybe. Mm. So, so he got his science fiction start here, mm, so to say. Indeed. Although I suppose this is more like speculative fiction. Mm. And, and even more importantly... He was in one episode of Murder, She Wrote. Oh, that is more important. That is indeed. <laughs> and perhaps... Was he the murderer? I didn't check, <laughs> but could have been because, you know... Yeah. Then again, there were a lot of... Yeah, I, I don't know, I didn't check, I should have. <laughs> mm, but maybe even more importantly than those two, he was the Mad Hatter in four episodes of the 60s Batman. Oh my god. Indeed. The range. Indeed. I didn't actually know that Mad Hatter was in the 60s Batman. I've never watched the 60s Batman, so, you know, no surprise there. But then again, Mad Hatter is kind of a silly villain, so, you know, Mm. would have ended (laughs) up there. And Thomas Gomez as Mr. Cadwallader who was in Beneath the Planet of the Apes, which is a sequel to the original. Mm. 
It does not have high marks. <laughs> Can't say I've seen the sequel to that. Yeah, me neither. Then again, now we have how how many? I have not. There's a new one now. Yeah, we saw the trailer. With the CGI apes. Yeah, and barely any people, so it's just CGI apes. It's a bit silly without people. Yeah. Except there's some people, but they're like those yeah. wild people, but mainly just CGI apes. But yeah, there's a lot of those new ones. Mm. I thought they were kind of... I thought they were... They would have stopped making those because even the first right. ones didn't do that well, if I remember right. Yeah, I mean, and the biggest thing about the first one is the plot twist at the end. That's why everyone knows that movie. And so after that, what are you gonna do <laughs> with it? Oh, no, I meant like the new fan uh, oh, series. Oh, oh, like, oh, oh, oh. But yeah, the. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting as well. Like, mm. there's. Other stuff I've seen it. Yeah. But he's uh, he's been a l- uh, Thomas Gomez has been in several other roles as well. But I not stuff that I recognized. So, yeah. Uh, and Virginia Christine as Ethel Bedegger, who was in Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. Oh. Do you know? Guess who's coming to dinner? I don't know that one, no. Oh, hot damn. We gotta watch that one. It's a very important film, I'd say. Mm. It's uh, about... It was from... It's from 1967, and it's about... um, I don't know. I don't remember who's mainly the the main main character. Um, But... It's about a couple going to the a heterosexual couple, I know, <laughs> decadent, who are going to the a woman's parents for the first time. Oh yeah. And the uh, woman has not told her parents that um, her boyfriend, fiance, I don't remember if what kind of thing, like what is the status mm. of them um but is a black man oh. so that's the point kind of the like film. um kind of like get out in that way with less murder <laughs> mm, yes as i recall yeah but more importantly than that film that is kind of a landmark film she is in Billy the Kid oh. versus Dracula. Oh my god. <laughs> the careers of these people. Mm-hmm. And a lot of other projects, but I didn't recognize them. But I have seen Billy the Kid versus Dracula, and mm. it was. That sounds erotic. Yeah, I'm, I'm a big Dracula guy, um, as you know, so I'm. Sounds good. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I'm a big Dracula guy. Sounds like I'm a vampire. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm just a big Dracula guy. No way. That might have not been the homo. No, I think Billy the Kid versus Frankenstein, Frankenstein's mm. daughter, was the really homoerotic one. Oh my. I've seen that one as well, mm. <laughs> but I have seen that that one as well. <laughs> but yes. So 
there's very little about the escape clause. Actually, it's not the just escape clause <laughs> yeah. in the companion. And basically, it just says it's a damn fine episode. Oh. Hot dang. <laughs> and um, I tried to look up hypochondria in like medium in academic literature, but it's mainly related to, and most of the works that I could find that weren't like medical texts and stuff were about British romantic literature. Mm. And Jane Austen was mentioned a lot. So Mm. I didn't read any of that because I didn't think that it would have any bearing on this. And um, then I went to the source of all sources, TV tropes. Of course. And search hypochondria there. And yeah, TV tropes doesn't do citations. (laughs) Uh, But it's often played for laughs, according to the site. And I would agree with that. Yeah, here as well, for sure. Yeah, and that's mainly what I'm probably going to be talking about. Like, he's described as a very selfish man. And yeah, the opening narration even says that the world would not survive without him or he thinks that (laughs) way. And hypochondria is presented as part of this selfishness. And this is kind of problematic because it's going into this trope of mental illness as selfishness. Like, mm-hmm. if someone's, like, um, depressed or something, they're just trying to get attention, yeah, that yeah. sort of stuff. And in this era, there are exceptions, of course. My guess is that, and I do mean guess, citation needed, <laughs> um, there's basically two ways anxiety disorders that hypochondria is part of would have been depicted. Either mm. selfishness that we have here or being a wimp and an overthinking loser. Yeah. Which both can be turned into... Well, selfishness can be a dramatic thing, but being a wimp and overthinking loser mm. is more often uh, played for laughs. Yeah. yeah. This is... Yeah, this is... Dear listener, this is not good. No. This is, in fact, bad. I mean, this this guy sucks for sure, but he's also, like, not well, um, yeah, clearly. And, yeah, and we have to think about it, how it presents, like, people who actually have yeah. hypochondria or other kind of anxiety, uh, anxiety disorders. Yeah, I mean, this guy would suck without this, um... So, and he does. Yeah, it's, yeah. And he does, yeah. That's the whole mm. episode. He's, he sucks more. Yeah. But yeah, I wanted to bring up this n- problematic nature of this depiction because... Mm. Yeah. But I do have some other analysis as well. He's a very unimaginative man. Only thing that he can think of doing with his immortality is testing his immortality, (laughs) basically. Like, he wants cheap excitement from a source that he specifically agreed 
would not work. Oh. So it's like, oh, I don't feel at all excited because I know <laughs> I'm not going to die. Oh. Hot damn. Yeah, almost like the point of life is that you're not going to be here forever. <laughs> almost yeah. like. Yeah. And the companion synopsis says, um, nothing can harm Bedeker. True, but nothing thrills him either. And I don't really agree with this. I think that he doesn't understand his condition. He, because he is an um, unimaginative man. He has no excitement of discovery. Oh. Like, he doesn't see how he could use it. Like, he could bend hot metal with his bare hands, oh. make art, and put some weights on himself and just walk to the, uh, walk to the bottom of the sea yeah. and see what's there. But no... He just, I just want to commit insurance fraud and uh, just test this thing that I should know doesn't work. Right. But I'm a boring fucking man. Right, this guy could go to the center of the earth. Like the greatest scientist to ever live. Just go look yeah. at what's going on. Yeah, he could, he could go anywhere. Uh, but no, he's just, well, insurance fraud, that's a good, yeah. good thing to do. And he because he apparently his looks won't change that might mean that he could also be as decadent as he wants and eat whatever he wants and just mm. try anything but he's just like no I'm just gonna drink poison <laughs> and see what that does uh, he's boring yeah and I think there's a streak of individualism in what he does and Yes, I can critique individualism well and find it wherever <laughs> I look. Because he's only concerned about himself. He can only think how to make this new gift serve himself. These cheap thrills while he could do so much for other people. And I feel like there's... I don't think experience culture, and I will explain what that means in a bit, but existed at this point. But experience culture is basically individualistic urge or quote-unquote right that you should be able to just go have experiences wherever and not be impeded like by anything uh, at the expense of like local economies and that kind of stuff because you want it and it's your experiences and you know you need to have that freedom to do it yeah. and tourism <laughs> yeah and not not be impeded by moral concerns because having those experiences in itself is supposedly a moral good and how personal experiences are supposedly the most important measure of life like yeah this kind of middle class idea that like your life is worthwhile if you had personal individualistic experiences yeah and I kind of smell that here oh. and even though these experiences, these personal experiences are usually 
marketed off of a list that is marketed to everyone. So yeah. you're just having the same experiences as everyone else. Yeah. But you want to believe and you are made to believe that they are individual, unique experiences. Right. Even though it's just like this guide is taking you to the exact same places as everyone else this week. Yeah, there's a lot of pressure. It's all these 30 things you need to do before you die. I think that's why he's not doing anything, really. It's like, it's every character that's immortal. They're not really doing shit because they, they've done everything or they will have time in the future because they're not going to die or yeah. whatever. You, you don't really see... It's like you don't go to tourism stuff in your hometown. It's the same reason. Mm. Like, you have time. You're not... You're there forever. Yeah. So then you never do that, which is what's happening with him maybe a little bit. Yeah, but I... What I kind of want to critique here is how he uses this power and privilege in society, mm. basically, to just serve himself. Yeah, and yeah, for sure. doesn't even think that, oh, I could use it for other people. He doesn't even think that it's not like someone suggests that to him and then he's like, yeah. nah. It's just like, no, I don't even think, I've never even thought about it. Yeah. And the world to him revolves around him and his needs. But yeah, this is most likely unintentional criticism. Uh, but it's what I got out of it, and we have to recognize that works take on different meanings throughout time, in addition to, you know, thinking how they were viewed at their own time and what mm. they meant in their own time. I think it's good to look at them and trying to pass a meaning that has um, the relevance to our own time yeah. as well. Yeah. That's on as little analysis. Analysis. <laughs> Again, I pronounce that word weird. Analysis. Analysis. Analysis, indeed. Um... But I also, because I I thought I had heard it somewhere or something similar, I looked up Cadwallader, mm. the name. It's a very strange name. I yeah, really like and I, I thought it was some kind of name associated with the devil, but I couldn't mm. find any of that. Right. The closest I came was, and this is basically straight from Wikipedia, so Cadwallader ab Cadwallon Walchon. It's Welsh. Yeah. My Welsh is a bit, bit rusty. I've actually <laughs> st like studied Welsh a mm. bit. But there's a, there's a myth in Wales about a red dragon under a mountain that fights with a white dragon and in, in time defeats the white dragon. And the red dragon is supposed to signify signify whale whales can't pronounce whales and the white one is supposed to signify the Saxons i.e. Mm. the English mm. Seisneg <laughs> that's why there's a red dragon on the Welsh flag and this red dragon has been 
uh, referred to as the Red Dragon of Cadwallader. Oh. So I wondered if there's some kind of mixed reference here to a dragon, and because dra- the devil is sometimes depicted as a dragon. Right. I don't know, this is kind of far-fetched, but... The devil is Welsh. Well, we knew that already. Yeah. <laughs> I have nothing against the beautiful country of Wales. Neither do I. Yes. Except Lovely that... stuff. Never been. Lovely stuff, though. Except that you lot voted for Brexit, so, you know. <laughs> one thing, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just one thing. And then there's also a band, an American emo and math rock band from Yardley, Pennsylvania, called Algernon Cadwallader. Hmm. All right. That has nothing to do with this, but... No, I gotta check them out, though. Do we know? Yeah. Do we want to get into math rock? I like that kind of music. Okay, well. I can check it out. I don't know how to spell that, but I'll try. I can't send it to you later. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of the devil, it's like the first, I think it's the first episode with like a biblical reference. Because um, we had, uh, we had death, but it wasn't like the devil or god or anything like that and there there was a mention of like heaven in the second episode um but but not really explicitly there wasn't like mm. very like a lot of biblical stuff there but now it's specifically about the devil and selling your soul and uh therefore not getting into heaven when you die like that's really implied there um yeah and, and i uh, but I felt like the devil is kind of a almost secularized mm. figure because it's another he, guy doing a job and <laughs> just like death and just like of, fate. But I mean, like he's, I mean, in popular culture, like the existence oh, yeah. of devil is not shown to be like oh, there's this character who's the devil, i.e., someone who mm. wants to barter with your soul, but at the same time the same story might not mention heaven or that kind of thing. Yeah. There's just this undefined bad thing if you sell your soul. Yeah, so, they didn't really mention that he's going to hell or anything. Just that he it's is... It's just implied. It's just implied, yeah, because it's like common knowledge if you've, you know, grown up with Christianity mm. and everything. Uh, yeah, and I I think that because it was... It's, the idea of the devil is so ubiquitous is that it's not meant as a religious mm. thing. Not really, no. Because, like, if it would be, if it were God, mm. God appeared, like, then it would be, or Jesus, <laughs> then it would be like, oh yeah, this might have some religious stuff going <laughs> yeah. on. But, like, it does go back to, like, immortal monsters who are like really against god in every way like we mentioned dracula here big dracula guy um he's immortal he's like afraid of crosses and you know sunlight and bibles and he can't go in churches and shit like that it's clearly those kind of narratives from the beginning like vampires and immortal sort of monsters are uh immediately uh, and inherently, like against God or satanic, hmm. in that way they're they're written that way as like a 
temptation almost to go into the bad side, the left-hand path. Mm. Uh, that's like where that comes from. And there's like a reason why everything immortal is like a beast that they like kill people and drink their blood and they like, because it's implied that they don't have a soul mm. either. <laughs> so that's really, so it's, it's funny how like the second that he is immortal like he obviously doesn't feel bad about killing his wife um or like her falling off mm. completely accidentally off the roof uh he's he's fine with that and he's just fine with everything um but th- there's still uh not like an impulse to do horrible things <laughs> here it's only that he he still doesn't believe that he is immortal there is, there is that, the anxiety never left. He's still like, oh yeah, really? Like, he, he really doesn't believe it. Yeah, he has to test it the whole time. <laughs> yeah. like, either it's the anxiety or that he wants to, like, feel the thrill of almost yeah. dying. Which huh. he, like, didn't when he was still alive. Yeah. Again, with the aging and dying. What is going on? Yeah. <laughs> what are episodes 7 and 8 going to be about? Yeah... Oh, I've actually checked. One of them is a very famous episode. Oh, okay. I, I didn't look at anything yet. Yeah, I just happened to because I was like... Mm, I exciting. Nothing else to do <laughs> in my life. But, yes, that's... That's all I got. Do you yes. have any... Do, have, have you learned anything today? Hmm. I was thinking about what I would do if I couldn't die. I think I like your idea of going to the bottom of the ocean. Because I'm terrified of the ocean. (laughs) Exactly. I might see some mermaids. Who knows? I'm terrified of the ocean. And so... Same. It would be fun to to do that. What would you do if you were mortal? Probably that kind of art thing that you can't do while you... Like, being able to be, like, being able to die and being vulnerable. Mm. So, just, except my feelings would still be vulnerable. (laughs) Well, if you didn't have a soul, I don't know. I don't know, the soul is kind of... We don't really see how, what the soul is in this. So. No, no, just like, like kind of like you don't feel bad. Is the soul feeling yeah, but bad? He's is still the soul. a fucking cunt. He's a cunt the whole time, so we don't really know if that. that he's just <laughs> like, oh, my wife died. That's my favorite part. I didn't even think about that he lost his soul because he's always been such a dick that yeah. there's no change to his personality. And I think the point kind of was that there would be no change. Yeah. That um, dealing in, it's not that the lack of soul brings him down in the end. It's just that he made a shit deal. Yeah. But he couldn't see how it would be <laughs> shit. So yeah, I guess... I guess what I learned personally is don't try to kill yourself if you can't die. It won't work. You'll just go to prison. Yeah, just test it a time or two and then like... Yeah, like just believe it. God damn it. Believe in yourself. Yeah, believe in yourself. (laughs) Do other shit with your time. 
yeah. than trying to drink poison. Do what the guy did in Sandman, the guy who wouldn't die. Oh, crew yeah. just decided that he wouldn't die and um, oh, yeah. death and uh, um, sleep were just in the <laughs> same room or dream. Dream were in the same oh, yeah. same room and then death was like, oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> I'll leave him alone. And then he's just like, even when he's at his lowest lows, he's like, nah, death's a mug's game. That's how a lot of old people talk about, like, the secret to them being, like, 150 or whatever. It's like, I, I just don't, I just don't make time to die. Like, I'm just busy. <laughs> like, I just don't think about it. Damn, death like won't a... get me if I don't think about it. So that's a lot, that's how a lot of those people talk. But I think a lot of them might be bullshitting. Because, I mean, if you were 120, wouldn't you, like, tell everyone to, like, eat onions every day or something? I mean, I do that anyway. That That's not a weird example. Um, do you eat them raw? <laughs> no. Oh. See, I mean, I mean, if I was 120 and someone was like, why are you 120? <laughs> accusatory. But, like, how how could you make it that far? It's just, like... Cocaine. Just fuck with their head. <laughs> There's yeah. nothing to lose. I do wonder that if the answers are like to a good life, they are kind of like when people get rich, they start mm. to attribute their how much money they have to purely their own skill and not yeah. the, like society and right. the chances they've gotten and the privileges they mm. have. But instead, no, I did it all by myself. And then like people who have gotten really old are the same. Like Yeah, when it's just like, well, I guess maybe if you live like super healthy, but you could still get all kinds of shit, even if you, it's, it's luck a lot of the time and mm. genetics. And so... Yeah, and where you're born and yeah. that kind of stuff, and who are the people around you and exactly. that kind of stuff. How stressed you are all the goddamn time. <sighs> so what we have learned is spend your time wisely. Don't drink poison. That is yeah. life advice from Eri. Yeah, no poison. TED Talk coming soon. <laughs> <laughs> the benefits of not drinking poison by mm-hmm. me. Yes. Uh, for sources, I use The Twilight Zone Companion by Mark Scott Zucchi. Uh IMDb for information about the people's previous projects and some Wikipedia for the history of the name Cadwallader. Yes. Uh, I also used The Companion uh, in addition to Leslie Feldman's Spaceships and Politics, The Political Theory of Rod Serling. I feel like that's going to come up a lot. You good need book. to link that to me. Yeah, good book. Yeah. I'm almost at the end of, uh, what's my call it? Uh, Philosophy in the Twilight Zone. Mm, I need to read that. It's a bit too big brain stuff for me. Although the <laughs> last... I have it in my bookmarks. The last chapter that I read was really interesting. I like it. it was about epistemology. Oh, maybe we'll get into all that. Mm, we're going to get to the episode at some point that it's about, but Ooh. it's like a season three episode or season wow. two episode. So <laughs> gonna hold on tight. Time. We'll get to it. Yeah. It's one of the Billy Shat episodes. Oh, mm. perfect. But you can find us on Instagram and Tumblr at that's not fair pod. And if you'd be so kind, leave us a five-star review on your podcast app of choice. 
Our theme song is a modified version of Loyalty Freak's Sad Shaded Head from the album Soft and Furious Late Metamorph... Soft and Furious Late Metamorphosis. But for now, until we meet again in the Twilight Zone.